Thank you for being a listener of the Women in Tech podcast. To support the podcast and cheer us on, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener on our private feed where you'll have ad-free episodes and join us in Zoom meetups to meet other listeners of our podcast community. Go to womenintech.love, linked in the show notes. Just a quick note before we get started that this is part of our Blast from the Past series, where we celebrate one of the incredible women in tech from our archive. And if you're a new listener or you're just looking to be inspired, dig into the back catalog. There are literally hundreds of stories to choose from. Enjoy the episode. It got to a point where I just like couldn't stop thinking about it. And actually, I went to my 10-year high school reunion and was like, I want to come to my 20-year high school reunion and say that this was my full-time thing. My name is Esprit Devora, host of The Women in Tech Show. The show means a lot to me. The reason why I wanted to create The Women in Tech Show is I wanted to create a positive piece of content, something where people can listen and say, if she can do it, so can I. I call it actionable empowerment. Every single episode, you'll hear the story of a fantastic woman in tech, from engineers to founders to investors to journalists to designers, all sorts of different females in tech who have thrived. I want to share their stories with you so that you can know what resources, mentors, and life situations they accessed in order to get to where they are today. Enjoy. Hi, everyone. My name is Brian Nickerson. I'm founder and CEO of Magic Links. I'm guest hosting for Women in Tech today for Esprit Devora, and I'm really excited for our guest today. She's Emily Merrill, founder and CEO of Six Degrees Society. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Excited to be here. So, um, Emily, for those who don't know, tell us a little bit about Six Degrees Society. So Six Degrees Society is a female-focused networking organization. And I know networking is a dirty word, and we'll get to that later. What we do is we handpick who you meet while networking. So no longer walking into a room, not knowing anyone that's there. You get the bios of all the attendees in advance. And we pre-match you with two people you should meet for 15 minutes each, followed by about an hour of programming. Amazing. And you're based where in LA you're based? So fun fact, I'm actually based in San Francisco, oh, nice. uh, but we have an LA chapter. So we have 10 chapters across the country. I started this in New York City in 2014, and LA was our third chapter that launched in 2016. And so for, chat, do you have like a general manager in each region yes. or something? Yes, so we have ambassadors in each chapter. We have um, two amazing ambassadors here, Whitney Schindelar and Justin Howe, Justine Howe, and they execute all of our events. So as one person, unfortunately, I would probably die if I went to every single <laughs> event that we hosted. So we have these incredible um, individuals who facilitate the events in Los Angeles. And we don't have a physical space either. We're a social club without walls. Amazing. So um, tell us a little bit about how you got started. You're, you're, before the show, you were talking about you kind of had a hustle for a little bit mm-hmm. and, then, and then it became full time. But like, what was the inspiration for starting the company? I had been working in the fashion industry and I worked at a job that was incredible and really so pivotal to what I've done and gone forward to create. Um, but I wasn't completely satisfied. I felt like I was using a portion of my brain and I was so curious what else was out there. And I realized I was surrounded by these incredible girlfriends. But instead of us sitting down and teaching each other Squarespace or how to how to podcast, we were bitching about our jobs and we were watching The Bachelor. And I thought that that was not the best use of our time or we were going out to expensive dinners. And I, I felt like I had stopped learning. 
So as I mentioned to you earlier, Brian, uh, I thought it would be easier. I wanted to do a social experiment where we brought everyone together. And rather than people just talking and having small talk, I did the I was in control of the situation and I pre-matched each person with one another. So they didn't have to sort through the crowd and hand out business cards, but rather they knew what to expect when they walked in. So they had the information of all of the attendees before they arrived and then the names of four people. We started the first Mm -hmm. event with four people. So it was an accidental business where I just wanted to do one social experiment that led to monthly events that led to me playing around with the programming or how we scheduled it. Initially it was four matches. Now it's two matches and an hour of programming. And it was really my friends that kind of pushed me in the direction I needed to go to make it a full-time business. Yeah. So, and, and you do, what's the um, revenue model? Do people pay for a specific event? Are they members of the club? What's- so it's both of those. It, I haven't eliminated a la carte completely. We have an a la carte ticketing option. So all of our events are ticketed. We also have a membership option that we just launched last April, which has been incredible, incredible mm. to watch too. Uh, it's, we have three different tiers of membership, three months, six months, and 12 months. Three months is 55, six is 50, and 12 months is 40. And it includes unlimited events, two monthly guest pass passes, and a monthly curated email from me. Mm-hmm. So the curated email is being able to email me and ask, oh, I'm transitioning jobs. Do you know anyone in this particular industry? And I help people that way. And knowing them, I really prioritize that for my members. Yeah. So were you like a connector before all of oh, yeah. this? Yeah. Unfortunately, <laughs> my parents would say um, they were worried about me being kidnapped as a child. I'm, I didn't heed their advice to not talk to strangers. <laughs> so I, I, love, I love hearing people's stories and I love problem solving. So mm-hmm. I think when I hear this story and then I find that problem, I always search for a solution. And it's been, that was kind of the genesis with starting this event, I was connect I, with my business. I was creating all of these email intros all the time to people. I was like, this just needs to happen in person. We, we have to stop with the email intros. Also, our time is so precious. Yeah. How many coffee dates can you go on before you're high on coffee? <laughs> yeah. So are there any powerful stories of connection that have come through uh, your events? Yeah. I still, God, I still get these emails that make me cry and I save them in like a special folder on on challenging days. Um, Let's see. One that is the most powerful recently. Uh, I've had people who have been featured on Forbes because they met a writer from Forbes at the event or featured in Glamour because of that. And it started off as a friendship. I've had mentorships happen where I, one of my great friends, I was at her apartment and the phone's ringing from another one of our friends. And she's like, oh, yeah, we talk every single week. I've been, she's been like my little mentor, mentee for the last three years. It's like, you met at my very first event back in 2014 and you're still talking every week. That's so cool. Wow. Or jobs. A lot of people will find jobs or, yeah, I've had new emails pop up and they're like, thanks to you, I'm now at this company. I was like, thanks to me. It was just you were in the, the right room. <laughs> it's kind of a luck of a draw for all the attendees. Um, but yeah, I'm, I have so many more powerful stories that I'm not doing a great job thinking about right now. It's, but um, it's been really cool to see the spider web grow. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, and so, um, is there anything about the, like, like kind of that hustle story of kind of, um, were you, were you working full time and starting to put these events yeah. together? And yes. Like, so the first one was in, um, March of 2014. I drafted my email with this kind of idea in 2000, uh, in February. And then the first event was March and it was only going to be one event. And then people were like, you got to do another and another. And it became like my passion. It was, I felt like my mistress or something while I was at work. And I did special events um, for Tory Burch at the time. So I'm, I was always doing events as well. But what I didn't love about the events that we did at that time was they were very focused on shopping, like spend, 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 spend. And so with my learnings at Tory, I realized that the, the consumer is shifting so much. We love experiences. Yeah. And so um, my side hustle, I was kind of like educating myself while I was working full time on my hustle, subliminally. And now I work closely with a ton of retailers and I hand deliver them these, the perfect clientele. And they get a clientele list. They get to interact with their store team gets to be part of the matches and interact with the customers. And they get, the customer walks away with this experience, this like really special experience. But anyways, back to your question. Um, yeah, so it was a side hustle for a year and a half. And then it got to a point where I just like couldn't stop thinking about it. Yeah. And ha- actually, I went to my 10-year high school reunion and was like, I want to come to my 20-year high school reunion and say that this was my full-time thing. Super cool. So I quit that Monday after <laughs> after Thanksgiving. That's awesome. Yeah. Those inflection points are always so yeah. so interesting in hindsight. Do you ever have moments where you're like you go to your parents and you want them to say you shouldn't do this and they're like no you should do this. So I remember saying to my mom I'm quitting my job I'm going to do this full time. She's like I think that's a great idea. <laughs> like no you're supposed to say no dumb dumb dumb. So um she had been to, she's my mom ambassador and comes to a ton of events. Oh, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She knew. She knew this yeah, was the right she path knew. for you. She yeah. Knew. She's supporting you. That's good. Um, so um, we were talking a little bit too, right? Of, um, you know, some people think the route of starting a business is mm-hmm. um, let's create a business plan. Let's get some VCs to put a bunch of money into it. And then we're off to the races, sort mm-hmm. of. Um, so it sounds like your path was a little different. Yeah. It's weird not having taken the the business school or the traditional route of mapping it all out because everything was kind of backwards and accidental. Um, it was an idea and a format before it was a company. It was actually mm-hmm. called City Society before it was like official business. And then I rebranded it as Six Degrees Society when I, you know, formally registered it as a business and got revenue that I was able, I had to file to tax taxable revenue. Um, but it, yeah, it was funny. Like I literally each, every six months, I want to say a friend kind of kept pushing me. Like I was, it used to be a secret. Um, I would just add people to a Google doc and then BCC email them all the upcoming events. Uh, and a friend just like, you need MailChimp. I'm like Mailchimp. I've heard of it before, but not Mail. I had never heard of. I didn't. I didn't really understand Mailchimp. I didn't know anything about it. I, that wasn't my ex area of expertise. So she created me my first template in Mailchimp, which it's evolved a lot from that. And then another friend was like, "You need a destination. You need people to you know go to your website and learn about your events and who you guys are." 
I was like, no, it's kind of fun. It's like this hidden society where people have to be emailed the uh, the newsletter to be invited to the next event. Mm. But I sat we sat down for coffee. She hands me her computer. She goes, here's your here's your website. So like I honestly, <laughs> awesome. again, friends are like kicking me in the direction I need to go. Yeah. And um, so it was really cool. With that, that's when I started writing content and leveraging the website and the community that I was building and thinking like women suck at telling their story. I mean, myself included, where we don't love bragging about ourselves, but I love bragging about other people. Mm -hmm. And I can brag about my friends till the cows come home. So I started writing career profiles on in interviews. It, I want to pause for a minute. I don't know if we should put that on the entire feminine Species. Uh, I know that's fair. <laughs> that that's be, fair. That can be true for you. It can be true for a lot of people, but I don't know if that's true for every woman. That's true. About bragging about themselves. Yeah. Yeah. I've I've noticed some really modest, successful women where I'm like, oh my gosh, why are you not screaming how awesome you are? You are yeah. so awesome. Yeah. So I hope that is the case. I hope more people are bragalicious and like are able to to be really proud of what they do. Yeah. Because. Well, so what I noticed is they weren't. And so I started telling their stories and then sharing them on, on other platforms like Facebook. Facebook is an incredible tool. And um, that was the point where I realized actually people started reaching out to me and asking if I was coming to their city. And mm. I, at this time, I was still working full time and I was in New York. And I was like, what do you mean come to your city? Like networking's a New York problem. It, we don't need it anywhere else. Again, very small minded New Yorker. And um, that's when my brain started thinking, like, mm. maybe this is a business. Maybe I can monetize this. Maybe, yeah. maybe, maybe. Um, and I started mapping it out in in notes, business plan. My business plan has evolved so much. I probably should revisit it at some point. And, um, yeah, I thought if I opened three markets and hosted enough events between those three and charged enough in tickets, I would be okay. And then... 10 markets happened. <laughs> My revenue model changed. I mean, corporate partnerships come in so much more too uh -huh. and sponsorship. So it's evolved. It's definitely evolved. Yeah. And it has not taken like the traditional business school plan. My exit strategy though, if I did have one is LinkedIn. If you're listening, you're welcome to come have a conversation with me. <laughs> I'd love to be the official online uh, in real life version of LinkedIn. That's amazing. So we'll just call out Jeff Weiner. Yeah. The, uh, hey, Jeff. <laughs> Give me yeah, a call. Jeff, Here's listening. my number. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I'm curious. You said you said there's kind of been these inflection points where your friends have pushed you mm -hmm. um, towards where you needed to go. Um, what are your friends pushing you towards now? Ah, Rebranding. Some of the same friend that built my website is now. So I built my website on Squarespace and currently... We make all of our event pages on Splash That, and we do our membership through Moon Clerk. So there's a lot of moving pieces, and so streamlining is a big is a big theme this year. So she's pushing me to to move over to WordPress, and mm. while I'm at it, do a little rebrand. So Tracy Dungo, you're hired here. We're gonna go forward with this. <laughs> Amazing, <laughs> and. Uh, uh so um, you said move to WordPress and rebrand. Are you doing like a, like hiring a designer to help you with that? Mm -hmm. So she's yeah. actually, I love the fact though that it's coming full circle um, and that I'm able to work with her again because she, mm -hmm. she was the one who pushed me at the beginning and now here we are 
you know, three years later, four years later, what year are we? Four, Four years later. And, you know, she went to my second event that I ever had and really understands my brand probably better than I understand my brand and sees the potential more than I even see the potential. So I'm really excited to revisit that with her and build it together. Um, The other thing that people are pushing me towards are podcasts. So leading my own podcast, because I love the question, asking the questions. It's much more uncomfortable being asked the questions (laughs) and um, video content. Mm-hmm. creating more video content, which I'm I'm listening to. I do an Instagram live story with someone about twice a week, mm. which is really cool. And it's been really fun. Um, and then also, but like repurposing video from my events and creating. Yeah. So I'm getting better on that. And then the last thing is um, moving, really working more with corporations more uh-huh. the, more so than I do. And so is that like the retail model that you were talking about earlier or what's the thinking more with big corporations, especially so I live in San Francisco now. Um, There's so many mergers and acquisitions and companies are not knowing the people that you stand next to in the bathroom. Yeah. And I can come in as an outsider and create these curated experiences where employees get to know one another. Yeah. Yeah. So. Again, it's the bandwidth thing, and I imagine, I hope it's not just my problem, but I think entrepreneurs can be their own worst enemy sometimes. <laughs> Completely. So what, um, if we dive into like either the Time's Up movement or mm-hmm. Me Too, or even just the kind of rising of uh, awareness around mm-hmm. um, issue, like our society is a male society, right? And mm-hmm. and finally we're waking up to women are a huge part of it. <laughs> Shoot. <laughs> <laughs> After 2,000 years, it's yeah, about right? time, right? Um, but where, I mean, um, what have you, what, what gives you optimism about the movement so far and a mm-hmm. lot of change really over the last year? And then what do you think, where do we need to go? Like where, mm-hmm. where, where have things not moved enough that it, where like the future is obviously, you know, someone who's creating it, mm-hmm. uh, as a woman entrepreneur and empowering other women entrepreneurs, like, like, what are you excited about it? Where do we need to go? I love, so I have a big Facebook community and I love to see that women are able to be vulnerable, more vulnerable with one another and share their stories and build off one another and be collaborative with one another. Mm-hmm. Sucks that this is the reason, one of the reasons that they got there. But um, I've been seeing so many, one of my good friends, Polly, um, Polly Rodriguez, she's the founder of Unbound Box. She has this sex toy subscription company and she had been diagnosed with cancer and now, basically, long story short, she's not fertile. She's infertile and had to like relearn her sexual mm. libido through this whole cancer process. And it's incredible to see women like her spotlighted, spot mm-hmm. spotlighted, yeah, on on Facebook, on in the news. When I feel like, especially when we have such a conservative president, yeah. and to see this, this contrast of like this being celebrated and and. People being like, yes, not like, what the hell is she doing? That's so weird. People are accepting right. it and embracing it. And the conversations are open and they're open with men too. The, yeah. the dialogue, I love that men and women are able to have the dialogue. And I talk a lot to my boyfriend about it. We were like, what, what's a male's responsibility in this time? And yeah. like, what can they do? And, you know, he, his example was like, I just think I'm I'm rethinking everything I've ever done in my entire life and mm. through a different lens. And I think for men, 
that's something they can just be cognizant of. Um, it's actually funny, though, because I, I feel unsure of myself as a female entrepreneur of how to embrace it, to mm-hmm. be completely honest. It, I have this great platform, and I remember when Hillary lost, I wrote about it, and I think I lost like a few hundred subscribers that day, mm. which, so it makes you wonder, like, I have this, I have this platform, how political should I get and how feminist should I get? Mm-hmm. And um, we're actually doing an event on this because it's something I struggle with myself. We, uh, we're talking about how to be a feminist as an entrepreneur, as a female entrepreneur, and how to incorporate it into your brand because I don't know the answers. Yeah. I really don't. And it's something... To explore. To, to explore. And you have to kind of read the room, too. It's like, right. do you want to be... Yeah, it depends on who you're with. Yeah. But <clears throat> when I hear that, the, the like, if you're, if you're powering a movement and standing mm-hmm. for something that you believe in, so much of our, like, so much of social media is like, oh, how many likes or how many whatever, yeah. which is kind of like, you can, you can also, like, a lot of times playing to the lowest common denominator yeah. is what gets that. But I hear that story, like you're standing in your truth Mm -hmm. and there's some people that are uncomfortable with that and that's fine because you like, like, right? Maybe they're, you know. Yeah, and that's, I don't want them to be hanging out with me anyways. Yeah. 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 Whenever I get my next batch of unsubscribes, oh gosh, I'll have to tell you a story in a second. (laughs) Um, It kind of, it makes me chuckle. I'm like, they're not supposed to be there. But I had one, so I, I mentioned I was at Create and Cultivate this weekend, which it was incredible and it was so inspiring and there was some extraordinary panels and there were some that were a little fluffier than I'd like, but overall it was a great event. And I included in my last newsletter that uh, Kim Kardashian and Chrissy Teigen were two of the keynote speakers. And this guy, I don't even know how he's on my newsletter. He replies back to me and he goes, Kim Kardashian or Chrissy Teigen, anyone that associates with them, I say, to spam you go. And I was like, <laughs> I just laughed. I literally laughed out loud, was a little shook, shooken by it. And then um, emailed him back and said, ha ha, that's fair. Yeah. And, you know, like that's, if that's your opinion. And um, I wasn't saying, I wasn't endorsing them and I wasn't not endorsing them, but I said those were the people that were at the event. Yeah. Yeah. And just something like a statement like that, that was a response I got. Yeah. You're like, there's going to be people who, yeah. Aren't always on board. Well, um, I mean, Kim Kardashian, you can have a lot of opinions about her, but she is a master of social media. She's no a, question. Uh, seeing her speak live, like whatever people say about her and I have my feelings on her, she's an extraordinary businesswoman. Yeah. Like first and foremost, and then breaking down even like her family relationships. I feel like she's closer than most Mormons I've seen. Like the way that they relate with their family and how family, yeah. for, you know, focused they are. You're like, okay, well, let me look at it from that lens instead right. of the, the, like, smashing her. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, very cool. Um, so um, wh- how about in terms of, like, where the movement needs to go? Uh, like, wh- yeah. what hasn't gone far enough yet? Or where where do you think we need more movement? I think we need more education and dialogue. Um we're female focused particular and I feel a little bad for guys right now, to be honest. I think it's hard if you started a male only networking organization, you would probably get a lot of backlash. And I think that there needs to be more, 
more collaboration with men and women working together and just setting setting the tone right away and on the equal playing field. Um, I think that's a huge thing. I think men can be incredible allies if we let them. So I do believe like men are, I've, I think men are the best man ambassadors for a female and can be. It's just education. And I think it starts also from the family. Mm-hmm. Like it starts from what your father and your parents, what they talked about gender norms. And if the woman was supposed to be a certain way at home, I think that's going to probably play a part in your brain. So in the movement, I think it's an education thing. The schools, like, yeah, I, I think about even at our school, God, there's so much, this is going to turn political, but like even for sexual education in our school, we learned more about mental health than we did learn about like sexual education yeah. and, you know, awkward conversations were avoided. Yeah. And let's have the awkward conversations. Right. Yeah. Like I love being... Oh, God, I was at um, Stagecoach a few years ago with my sister and a friend. We saw some kids who were underage drinking, and we cornered them, and we were like, we want to hear how you, why you're here. They were drinking out of, um, it looked like a tampon, but it was actually like a mini shot. Mm. And I was like, first off, that's genius. <laughs> yeah. Second off, like, tell us what it's like to be 16 and 17. And we kind of sat them down and, like, powwowed with them, and they were so articulate and, like, way ahead of their curve. and. I don't know if that was just that school system they were in, but I think like having these conversations across generation too. Yeah. You know, and with our, I was telling you about my niece earlier, like just being able to, to learn from one another and learn from the younger generations and have them learn from you. So yeah, just communication overall. Yeah. It's interesting because in uh, our society in the U.S. is one way, right? And you look at societies in like, Europe where uh, the conversation around like drinking is oh, yeah. totally different from an earlier age. And yeah. so you don't have this like stigma like in America. There's a stigma and then there's like this pent up like I can never like I can't drink until some certain age. And then mm-hmm. finally you're able to drink and then you and then people like kind of go nuts with it. You go berserk. Um, and the conversations around sexuality are totally mm-hmm. different uh, in, in other societies and other cultures, too. I remember growing up, one of my best friends, mom is Dutch and she's like, I'd rather my kids watch porn than watch a violent movie. Mm. I was like, whoa. I mean, first off, that's a bold statement, but <laughs> but she's like, I, you know, sexuality is something that's every day, but violence isn't something that right. you should be taught at such, such a young age. Yeah. Yeah. I still watch like some Disney movies and I'm like, oh my God, this is scary for me yeah. and I'm an adult. <laughs> <laughs> Ursula from yeah. Uh, yeah. Ter- Bambi? Yeah. Oh, Seriously? Yeah. Brings me to tears every yeah. time. Yeah. I don't know. But yeah, being political in business is... It's a, it's an education in itself. And then the conversations that you have. Yeah. Just every, every day is like a little business school. Yeah. Well, you're seeing some of that now too. Um, You know, Dick Sporting Goods announced this week that they were no longer going to sell. I think like the, is it all guns? I think it was guns. Yeah. And people like freaked out, right? Yeah. But, but right. Kind of similar to your um, making a statement and having some people, you know, unsubscribe from your Facebook page you know, a lot of the change now, it's like if politics isn't going to drive it, Mm -hmm. businesses are driving it. Yeah. I'm so curious to see how that evolves with businesses. And I think, was it Walmart? They're not selling guns to anyone that's under 21. Mm, Yeah. Which blows my mind, right? Yeah. That you can drink at 21, but you can own a gun at 18. Yeah. Like, why? who created our country again? (laughs) What Puritans? Uh, But yeah, yeah, it's, it's fascinating. And I think, the climate 
the climate is evolving and it's really cool to see the younger people behind it. Yeah. I guess a lot of people are like, oh gosh, it's so great to see young kids involved. And then historically it's always been the the younger students who have been the ones making the movements before. Yeah. I don't know how old you are, but I feel like my generation, we were at like an awkward generation where there was nothing to really like protest. <laughs> so now we're trying to figure out, learn the learn how to protest as adults. Yeah. Beyond beyond just like a like on a protest yeah. thing on Facebook. Yeah. Yeah. Like actually put your feet on the ground. Yeah. yeah. That's, I feel really guilty because I've been away for both women's marches and it's, oh, I felt so bad. I mm. felt so, so, so bad. And I was able to, you know, have, have representation for our organization, but both of them, I just happened to be traveling that weekend. Yeah. Next year, I need to get the date before I plan my travel. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. Or travel to it. Um, well, Emily, we are just about out of time. So um, it's been a pleasure. Um, tell folks again, um, how can they find uh, you? How can they find Six Degrees mm-hmm. Society? Yeah, so you can find us on our website, sixdegreessociety.com, all spelled out. And you can follow us on Instagram. We host, uh, we list all of our upcoming events on Instagram and on Facebook. So like our page on Facebook and on our website. Um, and shoot us an email if you have any questions, happy to answer. Or if you're in a market that we're not yet in, I'd love to hear from you as well. And how do they email you? Oh, you can email me at emily at sixdegreessociety.com. Amazing. Yeah. Um, well, Emily, this has been fantastic. Yeah. Really appreciate you being on the show. Thank you for having me. UpGuard, one of my favorite companies in Mountain View, combines asset discovery, security ratings, and vendor questionnaires for the only complete cyber risk solution. Not only do they keep us safe online, they empower women in tech internally. They focus on hiring female engineers to make sure that we rise to the top. So I welcome you to take a look at their job opportunities from Mountain View to New York, New York to Sydney, Australia. They are a company worth exploring. Their mentorship culture is magnetic. Mention the Women in Tech podcast when you apply, just as they celebrate women in tech We want to celebrate you too. So make sure to let us know when you've reached out to UpGuard and we'll make sure to feature you on the Women in Tech social channels. We believe in you. UpGuard.com. Visit them for yourself. You'll see exactly what I mean. The Women in Tech podcast is an independent production funded by you, the community. To support Women in Tech, if you believe in the vision as much as we do, please consider going to womenintechpodcast.com. That's womenintechpodcast.com and just click on the contribution link to keep this podcast going. Thank you. Thank you for being a listener of the Women in Tech podcast. To support the podcast and cheer us on, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener, go to womenintech.love, linked in the show notes.